The Frozen North, episode 82. What's in a game? Hello and welcome to episode number 82 of the Frozen North Gaming Podcast. My name is JJ and I'm here to talk about video games. I'm also here to also talk about video games and my name is Mark. Howdy y'all! Oh, it's, it's back to howdy again. Huh? God. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the old habits are hard to break, man. It's true. I'll, I'll give you that one. It's okay. It's alright. Don't worry about it. Man, we got a, we got a pretty good show today. We got... Uh, Absolutely. Got a lot of good responses, got a really cool side quest, got some news from Brian, and uh, we're excited about next week for locking. That's right. So pro. I'm going to lock myself in there. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> when I'm, then nobody else can come. I'm going to be... Don't yeah, my yes. own locking. You guys can get out. That's <laughs> <laughs> just for me. No, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna lock myself in with dozens of other gamers. And I'm going to play a single-player game all by myself. <laughs> uh, I've done that too, so can't really can't really fault you for it. Yeah. Oh man! So what have you been playing lately? I'll tell you what I've been playing lately. I've been playing The Witcher Three, and I'm down. I'm into the nitty-gritty, really good Novigrad stuff now. I'm looking around trying to. You're find... You're still not even in Skellige yet. I'm not in Skellige, oh, man. Oh my gosh! Look, you are never going to be done with this to, game. I have to do everything. Ugh. I can't just... I mean, I could go to Skellige right now. Mark, I want to make you aware of something that doing everything includes playing the game. Because I feel like you're not really playing it that much. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, also, i got to do everything. I could go to Skellige right now. (laughs) I'm not defending myself. Uh, Changing the subject. (laughs) We also... I, I played with my wife. I played some of the first episode of Tales from the Borderlands, Telltale Games, uh, and it's it's really good. It, I, I really enjoy, because I've played um, Wolf Among Us, I almost said Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> completely different <laughs> thing. Wolf Among Us, uh, both of the uh, Walking Dead mm-hmm. uh, series, and we're halfway through Game of Thrones, and all of those are pretty similar in tone with the really dark aspects and the really difficult decisions gut wrenching moments right and this one is just very sarcastic and funny and a lot of the decisions are just almost slapstick in nature right and it's it's fun to have that shift in tone sure after years of really serious stuff from them so pretty cool that's it nice i have been playing well i I finished uh final fantasy 7 i uh got the uh platinum trophy actually Nice. Uh, pretty. It felt really good to finally do that since it's something I've been wanting to do. Not get the platinum trophy, but to be like Emerald Ruby weapon, um, and and have a character maxed out. I've wanted to do that since 1997 when the game came out, and I just never did. Uh, just because I, you know, I didn't want to grind that much, and I had tons of other games to play. But with the you know the three times speed and being yeah. able to get everything quicker this time, um, and I, I I did beat even though it has like cheats built in where you can be at full health all the time and use your limit breaks constantly, I did tell myself that I wanted to beat those bosses legit and I did. So my conscience is clear on that aspect. I was able to take them down no problem. Uh, well, with very little problems. I had I had a couple of hiccups, but it was it was good. Um, and then I've been playing the uh, the division beta. Uh, kind of checking that out. It's and I, I was talking to you about this before. It's right. it's it's okay so far. I want to see what it's like. The full game is like when it comes out. Um, I really like the group aspect of it. Playing by yourself, I was kind of like, eh, it's all right. Just you know, you're going around doing missions. I like the concept of being in New York City after this uh, disease is broken out, and you're trying to kind of like regain control of the city when everybody else has formed these smaller factions and gangs are taking over the streets and all these people are you know out to kill each other and everything like that and you're kind of trying to to maintain order of some sort um so you have to establish your base and then build it up by 
rescuing new uh, personnel for it or getting supplies and bringing it back. And I, I think the concept is really cool. It just doesn't it, it was it wasn't that great unless i was playing with other people and i think that's the point it's, it's yeah, online definitely. so it's that uh destiny effect right yeah you pretty much need to be playing with other people so um if anybody's playing on ps4 so let me know for sure um other than that i mean that's that's pretty much it just those two if you would like to email us let us know what you're playing uh give us a top five list of your choice tell us uh what you think we should try out anything anything you want to do just talk to us our email address is frozennorthpodcast at gmail.com. Our website is fngaming.net. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash thefrozennorth. Our Twitter is at fnpodcast, where Mark promises to tweet more than just once every two weeks. Our blog is frozennorthpodcast.blogspot.com. You knew I was going to say something about it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, our Twitch is twitch.tv slash frozennorthgames. Typically, I'll stream every Wednesday and Thursday night. The past two weeks, I, I haven't been able to. Um, had a uh, some some family stuff that that was going on that I, I you know I'm not going to get into right now. But uh, I, I was unfortunately unable to to you know really focus on pretty much anything um, other than other than what was going on. And uh, but but this week we should be back up and running on that again. So uh, yeah, Wednesday and Thursday nights usually between six and nine p.m. We uh, are on YouTube now, just, you know, our recorded episodes. Hopefully sometime in the future we'll do more with that, but it's Frozen North Gaming on there. Um, and then uh, we're on iTunes, where we would appreciate for you to subscribe and rate us Yeah, absolutely. And for the record, I do tweet more than once every two weeks. I just front load it all. I do like six tweets in one day and then nothing. Oh, yeah? <laughs> that counts, right? That's <laughs> right. Uh, you know what? I can't argue with that because you do do that. You, every, anytime you do tweet, it's always like five or six in a row. And I'm like, man, yeah, he's got some activity going. And then I just <laughs> won't see anything again Yeah. for like, hold on, because I'm curious now. Let's find out. When was the last time you tweeted? I don't, don't look it up. Oh, man. Ugh. Don't don't look it up. February 9th. And today is the 20th. <coughs> I'll say February 10th because that was the last time I streamed and I posted the link to the stream. Yeah, that counts. Does it? Okay. As we said, we are also going to be recording from SoPro Gaming uh, next week. It'll be Friday, the 26th, actually. So we'll be there all night, gaming it up. And if you're in the Kansas City area, come on down to SoPro Gaming. Check it out. Have a good time. And uh, let's let's have some yeah. fun. You can come see me play The Witcher 3. Is that what you're going to do? I think so, yeah. Oh, man. Nice. You're going to get to Skellige finally? I could go to Skellige right now. You could. I'm just not. That wasn't enough my level. question, though. Are you going to go to Skellige? I want to go to Skellige right now. Well, later today. <laughs> right now, we got to record, Mark. I, I apologize. <laughs> uh, so this is my fault that you're not. You haven't gotten there <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man! All right. So last episode, we asked our contributors, "What is most important to you in a game? Story, gameplay, or graphics?" Got some pretty interesting responses. Let's take a listen. Hey everyone, it's Eric. Well, I guess you can call me Tucci now since we're all friends, right? This week we were asked, what is the most important aspect in a game? Graphics, gameplay, or story? Okay, so hopping right into it. Since graphics, up until recently, haven't had much more of an effect on gaming, other than outlining the visionary elements in which you're partaking in to kind of give you a guideline, I'd have to say speaking of games as a whole, it's very minimal in capturing gamers over the course of time since the very first game, if you will. Now, it gets a little more difficult. Between gameplay and story, I feel as if story is very much needed in a fully developed game, but then again, there are those major hits that have very little story, and where really the story is more or less just a commodity to the game itself, not really the capturing point for gamers in FPSs like Call of Duty, where the story it may not really be relevant to why the gamer even bought the game initially, and it's more used for the multiplayer gameplay. With gameplay, you do see some games with great story in very little gameplay as an interactive story where graphics may even come into play to really captivate the gamer. With that said, from my experience, the games that do the very best are usually those who have really well done gameplay, allowing the user as much customization, actions, and freedom to roam the map for whatever you feel fit. Clearly, some of the most renowned games, for relevant example anyway, The Witcher 3, all three elements are included which make up an amazing story that allow you to have the full modern effects of 
graphics these days to really draw you in further, and the gameplay just puts you right into the action. So, my conclusion, what is the most important aspect in a game? My answer will have to be you. You are the most important aspect in a game. Because without you, the gameplay is never appreciated or unappreciated, the graphics are never odd over or leave something to be desired, and the destiny of the story, or journey if you will, just ceases to exist. Thanks again for allowing me to share my thoughts with the Frozen North podcast. See y'all next time. My name is Shanna. I'm a co-host of the Fool's Lantern, also on the Frozen North network of podcasts, and I'm here with my good friend Jillian. Jillian, say hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Today we're talking about what's most important, graphics, gameplay, or story. Here's what I think. Story. Here's why. Telltale Games. So Telltale oh. Games, gameplay is whatever. Graphics, meh. But that story, oh, so good. Makes it one of my favorite games. Jillian? You just changed my... What was your mind first? Well, what, first... <laughs> Originally, it was on um, gameplay, because mm-hmm. I was like, if the graphics are good and the story's good, I mean, that's one thing, but then if it sucks to play the game, then I don't know if you'll... But I really like what you just said. So but you know I'm what sure. I'm realizing? I'm, Shut up. Because... If Lee was, like, a pixel and had, like, a little beeping voice, would I be <laughs> as invested? Here's what I say. It can't be... Graphics can't be distractingly bad. Okay, yeah. And gameplay can't be distractingly bad yes. or glitchy. Yes. Although there are some pretty good glitches in the world. Yeah, that's true. One time I was playing uh, Fallout New Vegas and my companion got stuck in a rock. It was very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was funny until... I couldn't get the companion out. And it was over. Yeah, and then it wasn't funny anymore. I had the weirdest glitch in Skyrim where I was trying to marry my orc husband. Yeah. And I kept on showing up at the church, and Lydia would show up dead in her underwear, <laughs> and then everybody in the church would like look at me and go, oh, how could you? And they were so shocked, and I reloaded like 18 <laughs> times before I could finally marry my orc oh, husband. Oh, that's but anywho, funny. I guess what I'm going to say is a mix of all three. What a useless I mean, opinion. <laughs> it's, it's a, no, that's not a useless opinion. It was a really hard question. Because, I mean, I think what you said just now, not the first one, just now, when you said that uh, they can't be distractingly bad, that's probably the best answer. Okay, then we're done. Okay, we're done. Bye-bye. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Tank from the Fool's Lantern Podcast. You know, even more than graphics, gameplay, or even a fantastic story. The most exciting thing in any game for me are complex systems driving everything in the background. Whether that's Kerbal Space Program with a realistic physics model that allows you to apply actual principles of rocket science to constructing spacecraft and launching missions, or Deus Ex or Dishonored with guard behavior and enemy patterns and environmental details that you can take advantage of to play in almost any variety of ways or something like minecraft where the pure joy of the game is just exploring the endless possibilities laid out for you by the engine this depth of simulation in a game world allows for significantly more freedom than any pre-written story or game design could ever account for. If the game is capable of simulating a vast array of possibilities, it's simply up to the player to make whatever they want to have happen, happen. And these systems don't necessarily need to be complex, but just intuitive. If it feels like you should be able to do something in a game, it's always cool to notice that the developers made it so you actually can. It adds a layer of immersion and realism to the game that no amount of polygons can make up for. Anyway, that's my two cents. A sufficiently complicated game engine can provide more interactivity, replayability, and possibility for excitement than almost any other element of game design. See you guys next time. What is the most important aspect of a video game? Story, gameplay, or graphics? For me, it kind of depends what kind of mood I'm in or more precisely, how I want to entertain myself. Because what else are games but a medium to entertain ourselves? If I want to pretend to be someone else, an RPG game, Mass Effect, or Fallout 4, or Skyrim. In theory, it has story, gameplay, and graphics. 
if I want a story, then a visual novel, be it kinetic or the other kind that isn't kinetic, or one of the choose-your-own-adventure uh, novel games, which are fun. Uh, I like those. Those are <laughs> I've got two or three lying around. If you just want to play around, then something like Rocket League, which is an example of gameplay. If you just want to play with a friend, then something like Grid 2 or Rocket League, or Borderland 2, also an example of gameplay. If I want graphics, then I'd either go watch cartoons or find a YouTube video spl with spliced together cutscenes. I'd say the most important aspect of a video game is gameplay, then story, then graphics. You can have a great game that doesn't have a story, or much of one, or terribly good graphics, you know, HD, 1080p, whatever, and the game is still alright. Hijinks out. Hey guys, it is Mark the Machine out of Charlotte, North Carolina. So, most important thing in gaming. Story, graphics, gameplay. I love this question. I've actually had this debate with many of my friends. Uh, and I'm curious to see how the rest of everybody shakes out. But personally, because we're talking about the format of video games, even though storyline is wildly important to me, I think that gameplay comes first. It has to be functional. I mean, if you've got a solid story, but the game doesn't work, maybe you should have been better off writing a novel or making a movie. Personally, the game's got to be playable. But a very close second is storyline, because frankly, even if the game is amazing, it's got to have some sort of motivating factor to keep pushing me forward. I kind of have two examples that go along with this. Just Cause is functionally a delightful game to play, um, the mayhem, the stunts, the over-the-top action, the, the relatively crisp controls, I think it works really well. Uh, but there's very, very little storyline to that game. I mean, it's, it's uh, hot garbage, really, plot-wise. But then there's games that have a very deep storyline, such as The Witcher, Chrono Trigger, Suikoden. These games... Most of them hold up well gameplay-wise, but really it's the story that keeps us going and keeps us motivated. So I think that while gameplay ranks number one, story is such a close second that these are the two things that really fall in line for being the most important to me. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right, and we're back. Thank you, contributors. Excellent answers. Yeah, fantastic answers. No one uh, said fun-tastic. I, I was trying to, yeah, I was trying to say fun and fantastic at the same time. I could have said fantastic, but that's a word now. I can't apparently think outside of the box like yeah. some of these people did. Yeah, there's, some, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the fact that somebody said uh, that you are the most important thing. Yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. We um, should uh, right off the bat, though. I want to say nobody, <laughs> nobody went for graphics. Sorry, no, Brian. Nope, sorry, Brian. He's he's gonna come back to that and he's gonna say, "Ah, oh, guys, are like I like visual style, not oh sorry, not visual, visual that's style. A, that's in the same like category though. I agree. In this, this discussion anyway. Yeah, for sure. What what about you? What do you what do you think as far as those three options? You know, I'm glad you asked <laughs> because on the way over here, I came up with a really bad analogy that's surely full of holes. But oh boy, if video games are like a food dish, a, a dish, a, a, some kind of food. Uh, I would say that story is flavor, uh, graphics are the visual presentation of the food, and gameplay is temperature. So if you serve me something that's boiling hot, I can't enjoy that. I can't just eat that food. It's going to ruin. I'm, I'm going to have to wait on it. Yeah. If, you, if you serve me something really cold and it's not supposed to be cold, a lot of times the fat will gelatinize and it'll be a disgusting meal. Even though the, the the flavor is there, even though the ga the story is this really analogy good, analogy is fantastic. Uh, and if you give me if you give me some really delicious food that's the perfect temperature, but it's not presented very well, I can usually still eat that and still enjoy it. It might not be quite as enjoyable, but <laughs> oh there you go. That's my analogy. <laughs> so a game that has terrible gameplay would that be like if somebody were to serve you soup and then gave you a fork? Uh, yes. <laughs> Exactly right. <laughs> no, I, I think um, gameplay. Well, clearly you need a, a good way. combination of everything. Right. And I want to say, based on listening to the answers, it got me thinking. There's plenty of examples of games that have really, really good plots mm -hmm. and not much gameplay, and they're fantastic. 
and there's plenty of games that have really, really good gameplay and not much plot, and they're fantastic. But how many games have really, really bad gameplay and really, really bad plot, but the graphics somehow resurrect it into something great? Right. That doesn't happen. Final Fantasy thirteen. Yeah, Final Fantasy thirteen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's the only Boom! I got one going. in. I got uh, one in. Yeah, so, so I think visuals are defi- definitely a secondary. They, I agree. They enhance, but they aren't the end-all, be-all. But what's crazy is that a lot of times, I mean, and you know, we 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 can bring it up again. Brian, good example. Yeah. But like, how many times does a new game come out? And granted, you haven't played it yet. You don't know much about the story. But that's you know, oh my gosh, have you seen how it looks? You yeah. know, and that you're going nuts over that. Um, granted, again, that's all you are able to to look at and and you know mess around with. But even like, even after playing. I can tell you a handful of times where I know people who have been like, you should see this game, you should see how good it looks, and all this stuff, and that's all they talk about. So I know that it is definitely important. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I, I agree with you. I think that it's, you know, it would be far third on my list. Yeah. You know, but it, it also needs to make sense. It can't true. be, you know... No, that's that's very true, because there's a game uh, called Dwarf Fortress that I just can't get into because it's impossible for me to d- decipher what's happening. In yep. the game, because it's all ASCII art, essentially. Yeah, and that's a big reason a lot, and I brought this up in the last episode, that's a big reason a lot of people can't get into Final Fantasy VII now, if they've never played it before. Because they look at the, the graphics on it, and they're like, oh my gosh, like, what, what's with the Popeye arms? And, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, because it does not look good, it doesn't yeah, look pretty no, doesn't. at this point. But the gameplay's great, the story's great, so it's kind of, you know, um, for me, I think, as much as I love story in a game... I think gameplay out of the three is probably the most important. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that because there's a lot of... There have been times over the past couple of years on the show where I struggled to finish a game we were reviewing because the... the not because of the plot, because the gameplay was just infuriating. Yeah. I just wanted to stop playing. Apparently, gotta, I don't have the Windows latest update. I don't have the latest version of Office. Is what my Ooh. computer just told me. Better, better get in on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. The right newest now. version of Office has really good gameplay. Does it? Does it? Does. It? <laughs> I'm more worried about the story. So, <laughs> um, I think I think The Witcher Three is actually a really good example of like a game that doesn't have the greatest gameplay, but the story makes it shine. But the thing is, the gameplay is not bad. Exactly. It's just very basic. Uh, bad just, gameplay can ruin a game faster absolutely. than a bad story. Exactly. Yeah, like uh, like somebody brought up uh, in the in the contributor section. Somebody brought up Just Cause. Just Cause Three. Have you tried it yet? I haven't. So I've played. I played it for a few hours, and the gameplay is off the charts. It's phenomenal. It's so much fun. Like tethering, you know, a cow to a helicopter and you know watching it <laughs> fly away and stuff. I mean, it's it's just hysterical, and it's an absolute blast of play. The story is complete garbage. It totally is. But I wanted to keep playing just because of the gameplay. Where on the flip side, I know that if I had a game that had a fantastic story, but awful gameplay, um, uh, freaking what, I can never remember the stupid name of the game. Unlimited Saga. My most yeah. hated game of all time. I hate that game. <laughs> when I read the description and I looked at like, uh, I've read synopsis of some of the character storylines and stuff, it sounded really neat. And I was like, you know what? This is this is. I should pick this up. I want to try it out because it sounds like like it'd be you know a cool story to get into. The gameplay is so terrible. Mm-hmm. I can't. I just can't do it. Yeah, definitely. Game bad gameplay will result in a lot of rage quits. Yeah. But how often does a bad story cause a rage quit? I can think of one. Star, Star Ocean, Ocean Three. As <laughs> soon as you said that, I knew you're you're going with that. Oh man. Uh, but well, nobody quit on that. I mean, out of the three of us, nobody quit. Oh, I loved of that. it. But yeah, and Brian didn't quit. He mad. still finished it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, I mean it's a you're playing a game. Game is in there. You Definitely, know? it's that's yeah. And that kind of gets into the uh, the last uh, into the more out of the box answers, mm-hmm. like Tank talking about simulations and systems. Definitely, that make interesting deep gameplay. And uh, Tucci, who said. You, you are the most important aspect. Those both kind of have the same theme of why are you playing a game instead of watching a movie or reading a book? Because you can actually interact with the world. I was going to say interactivity could be exactly. almost the, the fourth. Uh, That's the strength of gaming that other mediums don't have. Yep. 
Absolutely, yeah. It's it's that's what sets it apart from watching a movie. Yeah, player agency essentially. Yep. Yeah, very cool. I I honestly did not expect anything like that. Yeah, those um, are great. But answers. then when you when they say it, it's like, well, duh. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, that makes total sense. So very very cool. Um, awesome. I mean, you got anything else to say on the on the topic? There? I don't. Cool. Thank you very much for all those that sent stuff in. If you would like to, please go ahead and record yourself. Send it over to frozennorthpodcast at gmail.com. Shoot me a message if you want to get in on our Facebook group. We're on there, and we uh, we just kind of talk about you know games and, and whatnot. And uh, usually we kind of toss around ideas of, of you know, what we're going to do next and that kind of stuff. So we'd love to hear from anybody else that wants to, to get involved. There's no like criteria or anything like that. You just send stuff in. Um, and again, also, we had uh, last week we had somebody who sent in uh, one that was totally written, and they wanted me to read it on the air, so I read it on the air. I mean, you can totally do that too if you don't, you know, want to want to record yourself. Be more than happy to do that for you as well. We just want to get people involved. So yes, I mean that's how we get these great answers that we didn't even think of. Exactly. Yeah, because Mark and I are, you know, we we are we're very close minded. Yeah. Uh, so we're simpletons. <laughs> we're simpletons. Exactly. You guys are you guys are so much smarter than us. So we're trying to give you, you know, the uh, the opportunity to show that. Crowdsourced intelligence. Exactly. Thank you. That is, man. <laughs> See? Now you're thinking outside of the box, That's sir. That's right. Solid. Uh, real quick before we get to the news, though, I want to do one more shout out. If you've been to our website or if you, even if you've listened to the show, you've probably heard from uh, from our friend Isaac who has done, uh, he's, he's written a handful of reviews on our site over at fngaming.net. Um, he's also been on the show a couple of times, uh, most notably the one, our Xenoblade episode, Xenoblade Chronicles, where like two hours we spent talking about the game and, and you know the storyline and breaking it down and stuff and had a really good time with that but uh, he's actually uh, he's he's writing for another site now as well um, and I, I want to you know get some traffic over there for them and uh, and he, he's doing some really really good stuff and it looks like they're they're totally Nintendo dedicated mm-hmm. um, and Isaac's written some stuff on uh, the uh, the Paper Mario series and and stuff it's Goomba- did you uh, did you read the thing he posted the other day he did a uh, a faux interview with uh, Ganondorf. I did. Yeah, I've actually that was, got that pulled that was up very right now. Good. Yep. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's really really cool. You can tell he's done his research with the timeline and yep. all of uh, Ganondorf's motivations. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Highly recommend it. Go go check out his stuff over at uh, GoombaStomp.com. G O O M B A S T O M P. GoombaStomp.com. And just, I mean, obviously poke around, check out. They have a podcast over there. Give them a listen to and. Uh, Go check out Isaac's stuff, because uh, he's, he's a good writer, and he, he does some good work. He does. All right. Why don't we head over to the news booth? Oh, the news booth. News booth, Brian. What's going on? What's up, everybody? It's Brian for your Frozen North news segment, your favorite segment on the Frozen North. Don't lie to me. I know it's your favorite. All right. Our first um, bit of news we want to go over is last uh, last podcast, uh, we talked about that uh, DICE presentation with Kojima and uh, Guillermo del Toro. Well, they had it, and uh, some interesting tidbits came from that. So apparently uh, Kojima and del Toro have a whole lot in common, um, and even though del Toro kind of was soured on games due to a couple of the games that he was involved in getting canceled, uh, <clears throat> the two to come to mind are Insane, uh, and that was from THQ, and obviously THQ went under, <clears throat> and then Silent Hills, Obviously, that was a big one that uh, Konami was producing before they decided to switch business paths. You can tell by his, uh, uh, you know, his time on on Dice Stage, he does not really like the uh, the corporate, you know, way of studios. <clears throat> he called them uh, the bastards with money. But the the good news is is that uh, you know him and him and Kojima have a whole lot in common. And, and if you've been following any of this lately, you'll know that uh, Norman Reedus has also been uh, he- heavily involved with. Hideo Kojima, and uh, we might see a collaborative effort. I know, you know, as you know, Hideo Kojima has his new studios, Kojima Studios, which is partnered with PlayStation. So, uh, pretty exciting stuff. Um, If you want to check out that speech, I'm sure you can find it on the interwebs at some point and and check it out. But, uh, pretty exciting. I guess uh, Guillermo del Toro really likes Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Just a cool little conversation they had. Uh, And it gives me kind of uh, some inspiration that maybe they'll, they'll collaborate in the future. Okay, and then the next uh, bit of news that uh, fell on my lap today. Um, so rumors were that uh, Sony's VR would launch in the fall, uh, but they've come out and basically said, hey, this is kind of speculation. Uh, 
Um, they still don't have a price either. Uh, this has kind of been a, uh, a you know a three-man race with Sony VR, the HTC Vive, and then of course uh, Oculus Rift. Anyway, uh, expect that Sony will be making an announcement for it, but uh, they kind of hinted that uh, the fall release date that was speculated is probably not going to uh, not going to be a realistic one, and uh, we're still obviously waiting on a price for that too. Um, GameStop was speculating, and then uh, that was kind of the whole issue with it. Um, and then obviously you can find a lot more stuff on PSVR. Uh, this is kind of the last big one. I think the Vive has already kind of uh, hinted at their price being about the same or more than the uh, Rift was. Uh, and everyone is speculating that Sony's is going to be actually a little bit more expensive um, than both of those just because they need to package uh, extra hardware along with it to boost the PS4's power to make it at least somewhat competitive in that regard. So uh, as more comes out, obviously we'll stay tuned here at the Frozen North because I know um, Mark and JJ are really excited for VR. I'm more of an on-the-fence kind of guy. Um, you know, I'll, I'll wait for the early adopters to show me what it's like, and then once all the kinks get uh, filled out, I will definitely jump in because VR seems like it's the uh, way uh, games are going in the future. And then the next article we have, uh, my beloved Mass Effect series lost a lead writer. Um, his name was Mr. Schlurf, or Chris Schlurf. Um, he wrote some of the, you know, one of the lead writers on, you know, the, the Mass Effect, not Mass Effect Shepard trilogy. Um, and Well, actually, no, he was with the Halo 4 team, so he was very responsible for Halo 4, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And then Bioware brought him over and introduced Chris Schlurf as the new lead writer for the uh, Andromeda Mass Effect um series so he didn't actually have anything to do with the shepherd trilogy he was with uh 343 doing uh halo 4 and then they brought him over to do that well he recently departed from bioware and actually is going to bungie so wrap your head around that isn't that funny he worked on the halo that wasn't for bungie then he got hired on by bioware to work on mass effect andromeda and now he's leaving bioware to go to bungie um here's some of the tweets that he let out when he was uh, making his announcement so the first one he said to confirm what some folks asked about a few months back. I am no longer working on Mass Effect Andromeda at Bioware Montreal. Another one wrote, sincerely, one of the best experiences of my career. I'm incredibly grateful, grateful to have worked with such a talented and truly wonderful human beings at the uh, studio. Uh, and then he's kind of alluding to some interesting stories they have to tell. Uh, his last quote or his last uh tweet on the issue was uh think we might have some interesting stories to tell ellipses so uh i don't know uh take this story as what you will i i'm okay with it feel like uh he didn't have any animosity toward him he just had a better opportunity with bungie and um i hope bungie bungie's always been good at shooters and you know mass effect seems like it's in good hands as well so best of luck to chris schlurf i hope he makes some really good games with bungie and uh um well i'm still looking forward to the mass effect andromeda that's for sure all right, moving on. Quantum Break. Okay, so if you're any well anywhere versed in the gaming world, uh, Microsoft dropped a bombshell and it got the uh, internet into a, a tizzy. Uh, more more respectively, the Xbox fanboys into a bit of a tizzy. Um, so they announced that uh, Quantum Break is actually going to be also available the same day uh, that it releases on Xbox One for Windows 10 users. Uh, so obviously coming to the PC um, on Windows 10 platforms. This created a huge uh, firestorm and uh, with a lot of hardcore Xbox fans. Um, and there was a really fun back and forth between one uh, particular fanboy and uh, Phil Spencer uh, about <laughs> the travesty that is bringing a game to more platforms for more people to play. Apparently that's the most horrible thing in the world. When something's great, you just want to make it for, uh, available to as few people as possible. Anyway, uh, what this article is discussing is a lot of people were worried that um, it would be sold on Steam and then it would be given huge discounts like Steam's used to. And people who bought it on the Xbox One felt kind of betrayed that uh, you know they they invested all this money on uh, you know their console and now you know people with PCs they can just buy it for cheap. Well, it won't actually be sold on Steam. It's actually only going to be available in the Microsoft Store and only Windows 10 
users may obviously sh shop that. So you have to have Windows 10 uh, if you have a PC to get this game. And also a really cool tidbit is, uh, and I think, and Mark agrees with me, um, that adding the PC download to the retail version of the Xbox One is a really smart play. It kind of eliminates the thing to choose. Like, I don't have an Xbox One yet. Uh, actually, by the time you're hearing this podcast, I do have an Xbox One, as I'm buying one this weekend, and I'm recording this the Thursday before. But uh, So I'm a proud Xbox One owner, and now it makes it pretty easy for me to go, oh, if I buy the game for you know $60 on Xbox One, I get two of them, basically, and I'll get to play it on my computer, um, which has much, much better hardware, um, and I'll also get the physical copy for Xbox One. So that's that's a really smart move, and uh, if you are an Xbox fan, don't worry. It's only I mean, Microsoft's properties and Windows as well, so they're making a good business decision in my, in my estimation to uh, allow that on Windows 10 PCs. So more power to them. I think my, um, Microsoft is making really, really smart moves um, with the changing landscape of how gaming is. So I'm excited, and I know you're excited, and I know you're excited, and you're excited. So way to go, and uh, keep it up, uh, Phil Spencer. I, I got a lot of respect for him ever since I watched him uh, wink at me during the uh, PC show on last year's E3. Uh, Mark, J.D., you know what I'm talking about? And uh, they saw the wink, too. They uh, are going to refute that, obviously. But uh, it's true. It's true. Trust me. He winked. You have to press your nose right up against the phone, Mark. You know what I'm talking about. All right. And our last story is uh, kind of an oversweeping story about Ubisoft and their plans. Um, they've been making a lot of news headlines lately, uh, uh, primarily uh, to announce that they are ramping down the Assassin's Creed series from a yearly series to maybe a buy, you know, every two years. Buy yearly? Is that the correct word? I don't know. Anyway, every two years, they're going to kind of pull back on that. Um, they've also been uh, letting everybody know that they are working on a Watch Dogs 2 that will be coming out. Um, rumor is uh, in 17, uh, 2017, so we'll see. Uh, seems like um, Ubisoft is kind of uh, kind of ditching their you know yearly model for maybe some, you know, because the Assassin's Creed games... While they do improve on each other, it's never been a massive leap uh, from one to the other, just due to the fact that it's a yearly uh, franchise. So that's all pretty exciting. Um, I Ubisoft is hit or miss with me. I like some other decisions. I don't like others. Uh, Mark, you know, he's the same way. He uh, won't ever play a first game in a series of uh, Ubisofts so just due to being burned before. But um, pretty cool. They've made a lot of headlines. They're all, it's all over the internet. But uh, So they're ramping down the Assassin's Creed series, and we should be expecting another Watch Dogs. So they're kind of just kind of feeling out their new business model. So that's kind of cool for gamers. Um, and I haven't played Watch Dogs yet, but uh, I plan to. And JJ says he, he loved it. So uh, pretty dang cool. All right, guys. That is your news this week. I'm Brian. Uh, and I'm going to send it back to Mark and JJ in the studio doing their thing. Guys, take it away. All right. We're back. Thank you, Brian, for the colorful commentary and, of course, the uh, constant digs at Mark, which are always appreciated. I'm offended. I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> the best news that I read was the one about uh, how Xbox exclusives, some of them are going to now be at, on the PC and you can like pre-order them to get the PC version. Uh, you know what? Simplifies I, everything for me. I kind of wanted to touch on that a little bit. Like, So I will, I will be the first to admit that years ago when Final Fantasy XIII was first announced and they said it was going to be coming to 360 as well as the PS3. I felt a little twinge inside because I was like, well, it's a PlayStation. It should be on PlayStation systems. It's where it's always been, blah, blah, blah. And it didn't last very long because yeah. I sat back and I was like, is this really hurting me? Like, why am I mad? Yeah, exactly. Like, more people are going to be getting to play this. Like, I think part of it was I was afraid that maybe they were eventually going to switch totally over, um, mm -hmm. which obviously didn't happen. But, you know, in that situation, I didn't need to worry about it. So, you know, if that time comes, then, yeah, I would I would probably worry about it. I think the only reason to complain about something like this would be if it's a uh, – because – let me let me go back. A game – like, franchises have switched uh, companies before, consoles. Yeah. Like Final Fantasy, perfect example, was on Super Nintendo, was on regular Nintendo. It went to PlayStation. But when it switched, it was going to a next gen as well. It wasn't as if you had a PlayStation 3 and an Xbox 360 and they said, 
All right, the first game is going to be out on PS3, and the second game is going to be out on Xbox 360. That would be BS. That, I think, people would right. have a right to complain and be like, I bought this system for that game, and now you're telling me that the sequel is going to be out on the other one? Like, come on, what the heck? But if it's if they're just saying, hey, the first one's going to be out on this system, um, so you guys are going to get to play it, blah, 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 and then the second game is going to be out on both systems, don't, don't, don't complain that they're just letting more people play exactly. it. Like, come on. Well, I mean, the problem is just that gaming has become kind of like sports where everyone's got their team that they root for. Yeah. But you're not that team. You're just a fan watching the game. Right. So to get actually upset about it is kind of silly. But I, I understand the mentality. You're, you're, yeah, you're not losing anything out of it at all. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. And it's for someone goofy. like me who has an Xbox and a PC, it actually adds value to me buying the Xbox version of the game, which is kind of sure. cool. Especially if it has cross-save. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I, I think it's a dumb thing to complain about, but... I mean, the internet. Yeah. That's about all you really have to say about that. If I was to believe the internet, I would have to assume that they're all investors in Microsoft. <laughs> they're worried about the stock going down or something. It's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. I don't I don't get it. Well, as always, you can uh, go to our website, fngaming.net, and check out the links to all of those news articles that Brian just read. Mark. <laughs> you caught me in the middle of a yawn. Man, am I boring you? You are. I'm so, wow. I'm sorry. Thank you so much you, no, for No, you I'm riveted. <laughs> I can tell. Have you played Undertale or heard of it at least? I've heard of Undertale and I've heard my wife playing Undertale. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. Uh I did not know much about it except I knew that GameFAQs had their little best game of all time thing that's voted for by fans and yeah. Undertale won. And apparently it's relatively new. And people are comparing it to like Earthbound, but with a lot more choice and the way you can play the game. And it's supposed to be really revolutionary and just really awesome. So I'm curious about it. Uh, but now after I heard Tank talk about it, I really want to try this game out. And I think after hearing him, you will too. So uh, without any further ado, Tank, let's hear your side quest about Undertale. In the year 201X, monsters and humans are divided, following a great war. The humans live on the surface, while monsters are trapped underground. One day, a human boy falls into the caverns, sealed away with the monsters behind a magical barrier. And so begins... The Undertale. This is unlike any other game I've played in years. Combining a throwback visual style reminiscent of Earthbound and NES-era Final Fantasy with a unique spin on the Random Encounters JRPG combat trope. Topped off with writing that is by turns genuinely funny, heartwarming, and occasionally chilling, all in service of a narrative layered with unique characters and thought-provoking twists and turns. The story is outwardly simple. Walk through the underground to the exit, and go home. However, things quickly grow more complicated, starting with the first two characters you meet. Flowey, a charming flower with an agenda of his own and perfectly cheery theme music, and Toriel, a kindly, motherly sort who guides you through the game's tutorial area. The gameplay loop will be immediately familiar to anyone who's played a JRPG. You walk around an environment, interacting with puzzles and NPCs, and occasionally enter a random battle. The encounter system is what truly sets Undertale apart and Flowey and Toriel each serve as an introduction to the two paths through the game, either as a pacifist or a violent aggressor. You see, you can complete Undertale without ever killing a single foe. In fact, the game would prefer you do so, taking pains to introduce that each monster you encounter in battle is an intelligent citizen of the underground. They have hopes and fears and dreams, and by playing to these feelings via a series of bullet hell-style microgames, you can disengage from combat with no hard feelings or bruised bodies. For instance, Froggitz had a hard life, and so a compliment will brighten his mood and send him on his way. Giftrot's been tormented by teenagers hanging decorations from his antlers, and helping him overcome this embarrassment will win him over. Sunderaplane wants to stand closer to the player, but not too close. And Lesser Dog? Well, Lesser Dog likes to be petted, and petted, and petted. And petted, and petted, and petted, and petted, and petted, and petted. 
The other option, of course, is the one we've all taken in every JRPG since the dawn of the genre, pummeling everyone in the face until they're dead. And it's here that Undertale makes its most compelling statement on game mechanics. That frogget you just killed? There's only so many in this area, and once you've killed them all, you'll never see another. As you move forward, NPCs start evacuating, fleeing your oncoming bloodshed. Cheerful music falls silent, towns lie empty. It's a fascinating way to approach combat, reflecting your horrifying actions back on the game world. The comment has been made many times that it's a bit odd to consider Uncharted's Nathan Drake a hero when he's really little more than a gun-toting sociopath leaving a trail of broken bodies behind him. That same charge is seldom directed at Cloud, Zidane, Chrono, or Locke, however, despite equally prodigious body counts. It's little wonder, too, what's a dead slime, a coyote, an eyeball monster, or some faceless government goon, when you've got a game, a story, and some sacrifices have to be made to see the end of those things. The thing I love about Undertale is how it questions that basic, familiar construct. Every monster is a character. Every action made in encounters is meaningful. The game adds an extra dimension by requiring multiple playthroughs to see all of these systems and unravel the entire story. And NPCs remember your previous playthroughs, and actions can have consequences. What does it mean to follow up a good playthrough with an evil run just to see what happens? When former friends understand you're betraying them, see you slaughtering their friends just for a more complete experience? Or following up a genocide playthrough as a pacifist, making your two-faced nature clear to everyone? While the game is designed with multiple playthroughs in mind, it seems that Toby Fox is asking you to consider letting those other mysteries lie. Maybe the modern gamer's obsession with 100%ing and seeing every bit of content comes at a detriment to experiencing a piece of art. What if the goals of the player and of the main character are less important than the simple day-to-day -day goals of this world's inhabitants? It forces you to think about the game world as a more living, breathing thing, populated with creatures deserving of life, happiness, and the opportunity to stand a little closer to the player. But not too close. I haven't even touched on the remarkable cast of characters, the fantastic music, the tragedy and intrigue and darkness that the story goes to. Basically, guys, whether you traverse the underground once or experience it over and over, play Undertale. It will fill you with determination. I'm determined, Mark. I'm determined to play Undertale after listening to that. I'm also determined to play Undertale now. It I'm... really does sound like a really, really, really just a, a great experience. I know my wife's been enjoying it. I wonder if the, the cool systems they've built into it for replayability will impact me trying to play it on the same Steam account. Ooh, I don't know. That's, That's a good, good question. question. Yeah, why don't you guys have separate Steam accounts so you can buy games the same yeah, way? Yeah, why would I? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Wait, is that why any, anytime I try to get a hold of you on there, you don't answer is because it's her playing? And she's like, oh, that's that's not for me. Um, The reason I that's don't answer move if is so. because I just leave myself logged in and it never says I'm AFK. Unbelievable. That's true, because we know that you don't have, like, 400 hours logged in any games, even though it says you do. Whoa! So. Whoa! Does it say I have 400 hours <laughs> in some games? I don't know. I have no idea. I was just trying to make something up to discredit you. I apologize. <laughs> 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 but, uh, no, I mean, it just, it, I don't know. When I first saw screenshots for it, and I was kind of like, oh, all right, you know, old school RPG looking yeah. thing. Um, but then I heard the comparisons people were making, and after listening to you know the 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 side quest the tank just sent in, like holy crap, he makes it sound stellar. Right. Yeah. Definitely. And then I've heard the music; it's it's really really good. And just glancing over and seeing Shanna play it a few times, uh, it looks very endearing. Yeah. So I think it's worth. Looks like it's got out. a lot of charm. Definitely. So. That's I I think that might be one of the games that I end up playing at uh, at the lock in over at SoPro next week. Nice. Uh, Twenty six. If you haven't signed up, do it. Go there. Hang out with us. Let's play some games. I also am looking for somebody to play through uh, some StarCraft Legacy of the Void uh, co op missions. So look me up. Let's do this. I'll rock it out. Uh, con contributor question for the next episode. So we're not going to be doing. 
uh, contributing contributor question for episode 83, which will be the next one because that's going to be the one we're recording next week. Um, but we will be doing this one is going to be for episode 84, the following one, uh, which I believe we're also most likely going to be doing our top five from 2015 uh, as well, finally. Uh, but, I mean, there's so many games that came out, we needed time to, yeah. to play a little more, and Mark had to take an extra six months to play Witcher 3. Oh! So, uh, we're, <laughs> I, just, I, I'm so, I don't know. It's like a nervous tick. I just have to get in and dig at you if I can. Kind of like Brian when he does the news. It's just, I don't know I don't know what to tell you, man. Uh, can I just apologize once, life? and then you take that as an apology for every time in the future, too? No. Does that work? No? No. <laughs> That's, that doesn't wow. work. That's really mean of you, Mark. <laughs> I can't believe that you would be that kind of person. I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> I don't see that's supposed to justify it at all. So our contributor question for episode number 84 is pretty simple. What makes a good video game hero? You're staring at me. Do you want me to answer now? I thought we were saving this. No, no, no. I didn't expect you to say anything. I just wanted to see if you would say anything because I know that. Awkward silences are your biggest fear in the world. So, <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> like, yes. you've, got, you've got a smile on your face, but I think the eyes are telling me, like, just shut up. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to go ahead and stop cracking myself up right now. So what makes a good video game hero for episode number 84? Send your responses into uh, frozenorthpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know, and uh, you know, send us your emails, feedback, hit us up on iTunes, do all that stuff. You know that you know the drill. Uh, so, Pro Gaming episode number eighty-three will be there, and we're uh, we're going to be talking to some guys it's who be great. Uh, who are working on their own show currently. Uh, and I've I've seen one of their episodes already on YouTube, and actually we watched it before yeah. we recorded today. It's uh, pretty funny. It's pretty pretty good. Stuff. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll get into that in the next episode, and uh, until then, we will talk at you all later. I don't have anything else, Mark. Do you? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Thanks. That wasn't an awkward silence. That was a genuine question, sir. Uh, <laughs> I can't even do it. With that, this is the Frozen North signing off for episode number eighty-two. My name is JJ. My name is Mark. And as always, keep on gaming. Our theme song was made available through the Creative Commons Attribution License by Ziphoid. The song title is Radical Fanfare. <laughs>